This is an exciting week because we have a, well, we have a lot going on as a church, as Jess mentioned in uh, her host comments today. She had a lot to get through. She does such an awesome job of doing that. We got a lot of exciting things coming up, and the one right in front of us right now is that next Sunday, after five years plus of planning and work and preparation, next week, officially, the Family Center launches. And so I am really excited about that. Would you celebrate that with me for a minute? It's so great. And for those of you that are new with us and you're like, I don't know what this thing is, it's really simple. Before we started this church, God put in our heart, just in my heart, that we were supposed to serve the community, particularly in helping people, families, understand how to honor God in their relationships. With what we were seeing happening in this community, we knew that the answer to a lot of the problems that we were seeing around us was people simply understanding what it means to relate to other people the way God created them to. That that would solve a lot of the issues we have around us and would bring honor and glory to God. And so we were convinced that that's what we were supposed to do before we ever decided that planting a church was how it was going to happen. And so that was our goal. That was our plan. And at first, we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know if that meant that we were supposed to start a nonprofit or if we were supposed to find a church in the area that we felt like was doing that and team up with them. We didn't know what it looked like. And so God put it on our hearts that the best way to do this is to gather a group of people that would be like-minded and would do it together. And so that really was why we planted Carolina Family Church, was so that we could do this together at some point. And so step one of that was uh, uh, gathering together a group of people who had a common mission and a common vision and building a church family, a healthy church family. And so we spent five years doing that, and you all are a part of that, and you're incredible, by the way. Like, not to give you a big head. I want you to, you know, like, you got to... You know, I, want you, I want you to fit through the door on the way out, but I'll tell you that whenever someone like out in public uh, finds out that I'm a pastor or knows about our church or whatever, and they say, hey, uh, tell me about your church or, 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 you know, how's your church doing? They always ask that question. And usually, you know, you ask a pastor that question, you get attendance or you get uh, something about a building or something else like that. And they're like, tell me about your church. My answer is always, they are awesome. <laughs> They are, they are awesome. You, you are incredible, your faithfulness and your commitment. And so um, to see what God put in our heart over five years ago come to fruition and to have a group of people that are so loving and united and joyful and focused and humble and generous and committed and hungry and all of these things, to, to actually see that and now to know we have such a strong foundation to serve together through the Family Center The goal for the Family Center is to equip people in our church and in our community to honor God in all of their relationships. And we're going to do that through classes, we're going to do it through coaching, and we're going to do it through connections. Those are the three avenues or methods that we're going to use. And we're going to do this together, which is why next week we're launching, there's a financial financial class that's based on biblical principles. There's parenting, Jess mentioned that. There's specifically single parenting. Um, We're doing a class, Dennis is leading a class where we're teaching people how to be mentors because that's a big piece of this. Um, Us in this church learning how to bring someone alongside of us to help coach them and walk them through the situations that they're in. Not counseling, all right, that's a different level of thing, but learning how to coach and encourage and walk with someone through it, bringing them alongside. And uh, they're just incredible things. And then some events that are happening, we have a marriage conference workshop, I don't know what we're calling it, workshop, 
Is that good? It's a Saturday. It's a Friday night, Saturday morning thing that's going to be unbelievable coming up soon. Father, Son, Cookout. So many great things that are happening. And it is really exciting to know that not only is the vision God's given us for the church coming to, uh, into reality, but that we're doing it together. So to see you stepping in and offering to lead classes or to provide childcare or um, signing up for classes yourself or inviting people, we already have people from outside of our church that are signed up for the classes in the Family Center. And so that's what we want to see, and it's awesome, and it's incredible. And so it's a really, really exciting time as we get ready to launch that uh, next week, which is why we're taking some time in our services uh, over the last few weeks to talk about our relationships and some of these principles that we're going to be teaching and talking about through the Family Center and the commitment that we need to make in our relationships, not only to improve those relationships and bring honor and glory to God, but also to think forward to how we're going to help other people walk through this with us, the the ministry that we're going to do. And so we're in a series called As For Me. This is a commitment that we are making. It comes um, from Joshua in the Old Testament. I've said this a couple times in the series, but you know the verse that it comes from uh, if you've ever walked into Hobby Lobby, right? It's on a wooden painted something somewhere. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? And Joshua was making a statement in front of the nation of Israel on behalf of his family saying, you guys, now that we're in this new place, You all need to decide who you're going to serve. You're going to serve the old gods or the gods of this land or whatever. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so this is a commitment that we need to make personally. And then we hope that in our family environments that everyone in our family would make that statement with us or that we could say it on their behalf. That doesn't, isn't always the case. So at the very least, we have to make a personal commitment that I want to honor God in my relationships. So I'm going to learn how to do that. We've been talking about how as we've been going through the series, and we're going to talk about another aspect of that today. Now, one thing um, that I found in relationships, I am sure you have as well. If you've ever been in a relationship with anyone for a length of time, that we have to stay conscious and aware in our relationship because if we don't, we begin to devalue the relationships that are around us, all right? Um, I remember... uh, one of the things that uh, Jess and I love to do, and we used to, um, when we first got married, we didn't have any money. Um, and so we, we couldn't afford cable. Uh, we, we, actually, we actually had cable, and then we took Financial Peace University to learn how to manage our money. We realized that we couldn't afford cable. Uh, we didn't know that before, but we knew that after we took the class. And so um, we got rid of cable, which meant we only had like the basic networks, um, which meant I didn't get ESPN anymore. So I just had to watch the Outdoor Life Network. Um, and I like to say that I know more about hunting than anyone who has ever lived who has never been hunting, all right? I watch, I watch so many hunting shows. I know everything about it. Never been hunting. I don't want to go, so don't invite me. Anyway, um, it doesn't sound like a good time to me, but uh, maybe it is for you. Um, but the other thing that we had that we would watch all the time was PBS, and, and Jess's family comes from a long, long line of uh, 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 antiques, aficionados, and auctioneers. Okay, and junk collectors is actually what it is. And so one of our favorite shows was watching um, Antiques Roadshow. And if you ever watch it, it's really it's really a cool show. And I actually now I follow it on TikTok too. It's a, you know they're on all social media platforms, so it's cool to see the little people will bring their things in, and an expert will tell them whether it's junk or not. And I remember this one in particular. I remember this one in particular. A man brought in this blanket. Um, it was a Navajo blanket, so made by a Native American tribe, hand-woven with a beautiful kind of uh, stripe pattern in it. 
And he brought it in, and he knew it was of some value, but he didn't know exactly how much value. I was an older gentleman, and he brought it in, and uh, it was appraised at, um, I think, $200,000 was appraised at for this blanket. And it blew my mind because I saw that blanket, and I was like, you know, goodwill, here we come. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't look comfortable or warm or anything, you know. Um, But it was really, really valuable, and it, it blew my mind. Um, but he, he had that. They kept it in a chest. You know, they kept it safe and all that in their family. Well, interestingly enough, the same time that I was watching that episode, there was a man named Lauren Kreitzer who was also watching Antiques Roadshow. And he thought, you know what? I think I have a blanket like that in the chest in the closet. And Lauren Kreitzer, had, he had been on, um, he'd, he'd fallen on very hard times. He'd had, he had difficulty. He was in an accident. He had his uh, leg amputated. He couldn't get disability. He, was, he couldn't work. And so he was living at home. Um, he was uh, able to bring in through, you know, disability or welfare or whatever else, $900 a month. And his rent was $700 a month. And so he was surviving essentially on $200 every single month. And he was watching Antiques Roadshow, and you know what? My grandmother gave me a blanket like that before she passed, and it's in the closet. And so he went and got the blanket out of the closet. He got it appraised, took it to auction. It was a Navajo blanket, much like the one, but in better condition than the one that was on Antiques Roadshow. Took it to auction, and it sold for $1.5 million. And he's financially doing fine. Now, okay, <laughs> yeah, everybody look in your closet, pull out all those old blankets and see what you got. But I think it's so fascinating to think about the fact that he didn't appreciate or understand what he had. It was just a thing that had been around his family forever, and he only found out later in this case how valuable it really was. I think that in our relationships, if we aren't careful, over time, we forget how valuable and important those relationships really are. We forget how important they are to develop and to grow and to deepen because, well, frankly, we take them for granted. Relationships that used to be a feature in our life become a fixture in our life. They're no longer the thing that we put out for everyone to see. They're just a functional thing that exists within our life. And I know that I can say that in marriages, I see that happen all the time. I experience that drift myself. I mean, you, when you first meet somebody, you, you love them and you want to be with them, and so you pursue them, right? You do all the things. You pursue them. To use an old world or an old word, you woo them, right? I'm not gonna, that's the last time I'm going to say that today. All right, so you, you pursue them. <laughs> you pursue them, and you chase after them, and then you get them, and you marry them, and then you stop chasing them, right? You pursue, and then you catch, and then you stop pursuing. I mean, why would you keep chasing something you already caught, right? (laughs) But what that will do is it will stifle your relationship. It will stagnate your relationship. It will stop it. To honor God in our relationships, and what we're doing in this series is we're talking about what our relationship is with God and how we're supposed to relate to him, and then we'll take it and apply it to our relationships here. But in any relationship, if we want to honor God, we should be deepening and pursuing those relationships 
in the same way that we do with him. Because what God wants from us is not just to save us and then let us go. He wants to save us and then for us to grow in a deeper and deeper relationship with him, which requires intentionality and it requires pursuit. Um, when Jesus was preparing to, to uh, leave the, the first time, and uh, he, he had... Uh, uh, in the, he, was in the, he had already had dinner with his best friends. He was in the process of being betrayed by Judas. And uh, before he makes it to the cross, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays and says some of the most impactful and beautiful words you will ever hear. It was his heart and his passion and his desire for the church, for those that he invested so much in and for those who would believe because of their message, which includes us. And so when you read in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying. He's praying directly to the Father. He's praying for his disciples, and he's praying for everyone who will believe because of their message, which is us, which means in John chapter 17, Jesus is praying for us too, which is so beautiful and so incredible. And while he's praying, he says this, John chapter 17, verse 1, starting in verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, The hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus said, this is what eternal life is. Eternal life is knowing God. And one day we're going to be with him, whether that is whether whether we go to heaven, we die and we go to heaven, or whether Jesus returns before that happens, but we're going to be in the presence of God and we are going to know him. And what we're doing now is we're in the process of getting to know him more and more and more every single day, deepening our relationship with him. He's developing that relationship with us. Knowing God is not a one-time meeting. It is a process that happens over the course of years, days, weeks, months, and years. As we get to know him personally, he, he saves us. All right? He saves us in a moment. He, the, the, Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin, and he rose again on the third day. And if you put your faith in Jesus for salvation, he saves you right then and there, in that moment. For some of you, it could be today. For some of you, it was a week ago. For some of you, it was 20 years ago. But he saves you in a moment, and then you're launched into this new life, this life of getting to know him, of growing, of increasing in holiness and becoming the person he designed you to be. And the reality is that you and me get the opportunity to personally know the God of the universe. Can you believe that? It, it, it just it defies the ability to even comprehend that the God who created, have you seen, by the way, have you seen the pictures from like the space telescope that they've got coming back now? These unbelievable images of what's happening millions and billions of light years away. And to think that the God who created and orchestrated that would love me, would love you, and say, I want to save you so that you can know me and have a personal relationship with me. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And we should never, ever, 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 ever 
take that relationship and put it on the shelf and let it become a fixture in our life that's just performing some sort of function in the background. That relationship that we have with God should sit on the pedestal in the middle of the living room with special lights shining on it so that we're always valuing and loving and thanking him for the relationship that we have with him, deepening our knowledge of him as we get to know who he is, what his character is, what he values, what he does, what he doesn't do, all of those things. It's this incredible journey that we go on in life. And we should never, ever, ever take it for granted. What a blessing. Paul, as he writes to his friends and churches, he writes letters to them. This is often at the beginning of his letters. So this, is what, this is what his desire is for them. In everything that he writes in all of these, these letters, these epistles that we have in the Bible, he wants them to know God more. That's it. He wants them to know God. He wants them to understand their salvation and their relationship with him. And he wants them to understand how to walk in it. But, but the, the foundation of it all is that they would know God, his true heart and who he is. He says in Ephesians, the church in Ephesus, therefore, he says, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God, and this is his prayer for him, for them, 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is why the first part of our mission statement as a church is to know God. It comes out of this verse right here. Grow in the wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of him. 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? That you would know more and more how much God loves you, value more and more how much God loves you and what he has prepared for you. Unbelievable. He says to the church in Colossae, he says, uh, Colossians 1, verse 9, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. This is his prayer for them, that they would increase in the knowledge of God, and that that would transform the way that they walk, the way that they live. And then Peter, since we, you know, not just Paul, let's go to Peter, all right? There will be nothing from Mary today, just Peter and Paul, all right? I didn't plan that, by the way. That just happened, all right? Second Peter, <laughs> chapter 3. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace of and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. This is our relationship with God, to, to receive the knowledge of God, to be filled with the knowledge of God, to grow in the knowledge of God, to know him personally. Unbelievable. Amazing. And to know him on a level that, that it is deeper than just a surface thing. Knowing, knowing about someone or reading about someone is not the same as knowing them. You know, football season has started. I don't know if you noticed. That means for the next 
Well, the rest of the year, I'm going to talk a lot about football, and that's just how it is, and I know some of you don't like football, and that's okay. You can, you can just ignore me when I talk about football, and you can insert whatever you want to insert, but I'm going to talk about football a little bit, at least, all right? The first game of the year for the NFL, I'm not going to talk about college football, because who cares? Uh, but the first game, the first game, <laughs> we can talk about that later if you want to, too. Um, but the first game of the NFL season is Thursday night, all right? And the Los Angeles Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams are playing my Buffalo Bills. I say my because I am part of the team. Everyone knows that. I wear the jersey when I'm at home, and I'm a diehard fan, have been my entire life. And just once it's in your blood, you can't get it out. All right, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills for the last several years has been Josh Allen. It's just convenient. We got the same last name, so I call him Cousin Josh, okay? <laughs> I call him Cousin Josh. That's, who, that's what I call him even when the game's happening. Throws a great pass, Cousin Josh. Nice pass. I like it, all right? What are you doing, cuz? You know, that kind of stuff is happening, all right? I act like I know Josh Allen because I love the Buffalo Bills and because he got the same last name as me, but you know what? I don't know Josh Allen, and I promise you he doesn't know me, <laughs> All right. I know about him. I see him on TV. I watch him play. I listen to his interviews. I read the articles. I, I see the bios, but I don't really know him. I've never had a conversation with him. I've never been off camera with him to see what he's like, you know, on Wednesday night at Applebee's. I don't know what he's like. I don't really know him. I only know what's presented about him. There's a different level of knowing someone when you begin to see who they really are and what their character is than just what's presented about them. And I would, I would guess that most people, all they know about God is what's been presented to them about him. That the average person only knows what they have read or been told about God. But that a believer who understands the gospel and is committed to growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus grows to know God on an even deeper level than that. To, to, yes, read Scripture and to learn about who God is through Scripture, but then God, through the presence and leadership of the Holy Spirit, allows us to see between the lines of Scripture, to see the depth that exists to who God is, to really understand what is Him and is not Him. And as we discover that, it builds discernment in us so we can look at a situation and we can say, no, that's not God. That is not consistent with what God wants from me. That we can see those things and learn those things on a much, much deeper level. It's interesting. Uh, there's, there was a conversation about this in John chapter 14, the earlier um, before Jesus goes to the garden. It's in the last moments or the last days of Jesus' life before his crucifixion. And he's talking about going away and where he's going to go. And they're like, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, you know me. And they're like, we don't, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he talks about knowing him and how that works. And so it's in John chapter 14. Um, maybe you're wondering, how do I know him? What do, what do I do? How do I, this is so incredible. How do I get to know God like that? Um, John chapter 14, starting in verse 7. Jesus said, if you had known me, He's talking to his disciples, close group of friends here. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. Because uh, I think it was Philip had said, uh, show, me, show us the father and that'll be enough. He said, just show us the father. All right. Um, 
you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? Ouch. I'll throw a little comment in there. Ouch. (laughs) He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Jesus says, you want to know God? You want to know the Father? Know me. Watch me. Look at me. Observe me. You've already seen it, Philip. You've already seen it. You've been walking with me for years now. You know who the Father is because you've seen me operate. And so we can look at and we can observe and we can watch the life of Jesus and look at what he says and what he does and who he talks to and why and pull all of it apart to understand who Jesus is on a deeper and deeper level. And we get to see that in the pages of Scripture. We get to see God showing the way to Jesus all through the Old Testament. We get to see Jesus ministering and serving and teaching and sacrificing and all of that. And then we get to see Paul and Peter and all these people, Timothy, learn how to apply what they learned from Jesus. And in all of that, we can get to know the Father and see who he is. But Jesus doesn't stop there. Several verses later, Starting in verse 16, he says this. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. And that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. So not only does Jesus say, look at me, you've seen the Father. Watch me, you've seen the Father. But he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit is going to be your helper. The Spirit is going to be your guide. And so we have the scripture that he leads us through and he shows us and he teaches us about who God is and we get to know God that way. And then he gives us the spirit. He is in us to lead us, speak to us, guide us, show us what is inconsistent with God, help us to know him on a personal level. To the point where we are, and sometimes I feel like a crazy person when I drive down the street, people look at me, you know, where I'm just driving and I'm just talking to him, where you're just talking to him, as if he's sitting right next to you. Thankfully, we now have Bluetooth phones in cars, so when people see you just talking in their car, they, they assume you're on a call, okay? They don't think you're crazy. But where you're getting to know God on a personal level, and it, what, I, what that does is it creates discernment in our life, and it creates confidence in our life so that we can look at a situation or a behavior or other things, and we say, no, I know God, I know him, and that's not him. Or I know God, and that's him. And it's, it's crazy because we live in a world where we're constantly inundated with so much information, so much news, so much media, and we have to have the ability to filter through all of that and look at it and say, yes, that's consistent with God's character. That's consistent with who he is. But this only happens, it only happens when we make the choice 
to pursue him. Because if if God is just a thing that exists in your life and a part of your life and he sits on the shelf all week long and then you go to church on Sunday and then he goes back on the shelf, then you're never going to know him in the way that he's designed for you to know him. Because he's designed for you to know him on an every day, every hour, every minute, every second level. And so we have to commit ourselves to saying, I am going to pursue him. I am going to pursue him because he has already pursued me. I'm going to pursue him. We use scripture to teach us. He speaks to us in prayer. And we should be reading scripture and praying, not because we're supposed to or not because we have to, but because we love him and we want to know him more. That's why. And if this is what it takes to have a deep relationship with God, it is also what it takes to have a deep relationship with each other. If we stop pursuing each other, especially the relationships in our family and other places that are, that are the, the pre, preeminent relationships in our life, if we take them and we put them on the shelf or take them for granted or devalue the other person because now they've just become the washing machine instead of the vase. That was kind of fancy. I don't know. Whatever it is. <laughs> if they become the fixture instead of the feature then our relationship is not going to grow. It is not going to get deeper. It is not going to become more meaningful. It is not going to continue to expand. And so we have to say, as for me, I will continue my pursuit. Now, you can't, again, we've talked about this so many times in the series, you can't control what the other person does. But to say, I am going to pursue In long-standing relationships, sometimes we stop learning about each other because we think we already know everything about each other. It's not true, by the way, because uh, life keeps happening, and nothing stops the torrent of thoughts and emotions that are happening inside all of us. And so there's always something to discuss, always something to ask, always something to, d- to discover and find about each other. You just have to be intentional and ask the questions that dig deeper than the surface level things. And have you ever noticed that when you're pursuing something, you have this continual deepening of the questions, deepening of the conversations that shouldn't stop once the relationship is locked in. It should continue to deepen and get down to the very depths of our hearts and our souls. Pursuing, discovering, and it takes time. It takes time to do that. I was actually... Um, uh, not this week, but the week before, I went and got, got my hair cut, okay? And uh, I, get my, I get my hair done. I, oh, that, well, that's not the way to say that for, for a dude. Um, anyway, I, <laughs> I, was, I was getting uh, my hair cut. I go to Made Man Barbershop over here on Main Street. It's just like right, like kind of over through the alley over here. Um, and uh, Brian does, uh, he cuts my hair for me. And um, uh, we were talking, and I don't remember exactly how it came up, but we were we we're talking about priorities and that sort of thing. Um, and before Brian was a barber, he was a firefighter here in Salisbury. And, and so he's got firefighter stuff all over the place over there. And um, so we were talking about priorities. And he said, you know what? He said, you see that on the wall? He pointed over to the wall, and there was uh, a piece of lined notebook paper 
kind of wrinkled up, but then um, framed. And it had a bunch of like scribbling, but I noticed there was a pie chart in the middle of it. And then all these kind of like signatures around it. And he said, there was a time where I was at the firehouse, and you know, when there's not a call, they're all kind of together. And um, they were talking about their relationships, and one of the guys said that he, there was something he was wanting to do. It was like a, it was a trip or a hobby or something that he was wanting to do. And he said his wife was giving him a hard time about it, right? And so now the, the natural thing, I don't know, you get a group of guys together, like at a firehouse, I would imagine the, 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 the natural course of things is like, oh, I can't, I should do that, you know, you know bowl and chain. Or, you know, I don't know. You know, that seems like the way it would normally go. And uh, Brian said they were all sitting around the table. And by the way, AJ was there. Uh, that's when AJ was at the, the firehouse, so he was there for this too. Um, but uh, they, were, uh, they were sitting around the table, and he said, he said, hang on a second, hang on a second. You got to understand, you got to put yourself in, in your wife's shoes for a second. And he got out that piece of paper, and he drew that circle with a pie chart. And he said, you spend a good bit of your time, you spend, you know, 24 hours on and then 48 hours off at the fire department. He said, you spend this much time at work, and you spend, there's only 24 hours a day, and then you spend this much time sleeping, and you spend this much time eating, and he started taking out chunks of the, of the pie, and eventually it was left with a kind of a small sliver. And he said, you got to understand that you're, uh, you only have a small slice of time to spend with her in your relationship. And every time you pick up something else, every time you go on a trip, every time you take up a hobby, every time you go pursue something else, you take away from that slice of the pie. And she loves you and wants to know you and wants to have a relationship with you. But if you go and you're chasing after all that other stuff and filling your time with all that other stuff, then you're not filling that time with her. And so maybe you need to consider that. And he said he said that, he drew that out on the piece of paper, and everybody just got up and walked away from the table. And he was like, maybe I took it too far. You know, <laughs> maybe that wasn't, maybe I didn't read the room correctly on this, all right? But he said that the next day, actually, I think he said AJ called him. AJ was part of our church here. Uh, AJ called him, and he said, what are you doing, man? He said, what are you talking about? He said, that wrecked me. That wrecked me, and I went and I had to think about everything I was doing in my life, <laughs> and I made some changes, and that's what happened with all of them. And then when he retired, and he, don't, he didn't even know where that piece of paper went, when he retired from the fire department, uh, they gave him that framed piece of paper, and they all signed it because of the impact that had. Here's the thing. We can only pursue so much in our life. We only have so much time, we only have so much energy, we only have so much money, and we have to make choices. We have to make choices about what is most important to us and what we are going to value and what we are going to chase after and what we're going to pursue. And the first and most important thing that we should be pursuing is our relationship with God. That's number one. And we should make sure that we are making the time, reserving the energy and everything so he gets that first. Because it's the eternal relationship. But then next to that, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, not second to it, like it, next to it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. The relationships that God has entrusted to you are vitally important. And you need to be sure, and I need to be sure, 
that we are pursuing them to the the level that we should so that they are relationships that honor and glorify God, so that we're learning and deepening those relationships, and there is nothing else in our life that we should let get in the way of that. Doing those two things above and beyond all other things. And so as you think about your relationship, maybe it is a relationship with a spouse. We've mentioned that a few times today during the service. Making sure that you're spending enough time together. Make sure you're asking questions about what you're thinking and what you're feeling and who you are and what your fears are and and what your goals are. And connecting with each other on an even deeper level than we do now. Maybe there's some work to be done there. Maybe it's the relationship with, maybe you're a parent and it's your relationship with your kids. All right? I know that kids are a lot all the time, okay? They require a lot of time. They require a lot of energy. If we're not careful, we can look at our kids as just this thing that's living in our house, okay? That's here to annoy me and make things difficult for me. But I, <laughs> not mine, of course. They're up there. Uh, I want to encourage you to deepen those relationships, to talk to your kids about who they are and who they're becoming and what their fears are and what their joys are and what their hopes are, and to be investing personally in your relationship with them, not just getting them to perform or behave or do whatever else kids. Maybe it's your relationship with your parents. Your parents, believe it or not, are human beings. They are not robots. They are not these, they're not superheroes. They're not just authority figures in your life. Get to know them. Ask them questions about their, about them, about their, about their faith. Ask them questions about their hopes and dreams and all those kinds of things. Pursue your relationship with them as they pursue their relationship with you. Maybe it's a good friend or a classmate or a teammate or a coworker or a boss or whoever it is that you feel like God has entrusted to you. Honor him by pursuing them with the same kind of passion and energy that you are pursuing him. And it's not a magic bullet. It doesn't fix all things. But I know that when I am pursuing my relationship with my wife, when I'm pursuing my relationship with my kids, I feel a lot more like I'm walking in the light with God than walking in the dark. And it's amazing how those two things work together. That when I'm pursuing and loving him, I find it much easier to pursue and love the people around me. And when I pursue and love the people around me, I find it much easier to pursue and love him. It's almost, almost as if Jesus knew what he was saying when he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. They work together. And so I want to ask, I want you to ask those questions today as I'm asking myself the same questions. Am I pursuing him with the passion that I need to be pursuing him by spending time with him and valuing him? Or has he become a fixture? And then the people closest to you, the people closest to me, am I pursuing them and loving them, serving them the same way that I do with him? So think on that. The Spirit is going to speak to us now. If we allow him to, he's going to highlight some things to us, and maybe it's a face, a name, a situation, a whatever. Uh, But let's go to him in prayer now and uh, ask the Father to speak to us and to lead us as we commit to this pursuit. Let's pray. Father, we uh, are so in awe of you and your love for us. It just defies logic that you would care for us enough 
to send your son to die for us. Jesus, that you would love us enough to give your life for us. That you would welcome us into your family, paying for our sin on the cross, proving victory over sin and death in the resurrection. And that you would look at us, broken, sinful people, and say, I love you. Here is a gift that I freely give to you. Take it, and we will spend eternity together. How beautiful and incredible. God, we thank you for it, that you would love us that way, that you would forgive us that way, that you would give us scripture, you'd give us the example of Jesus, you give us the presence of the Holy Spirit even now leading us. And so we ask that, that right now through him that you would speak to us and you would show us uh, if there are relationships in our life starting with our relationship with you. Show us, convict us right now. If we've not been pursuing you the way you want us to. And then right now, give us the how. Show us how we're gonna, we're gonna rearrange our schedule or our priorities or other things. We're gonna rearrange them to make sure that we are taking the time to pursue you the way you want to be pursued. And that as we do that, we know you're going to continue revealing yourself to us. You're going to teach us about yourself. And you're going to help us understand what it means to live the way you created us to live. In the freedom and the joy and the peace that you created for us. In an open, honest relationship with you. And then God, we ask right now that you'd help us carry that into our relationships with each other. Maybe the closest relationship in our life. Or the closest relationships in our life that right now we commit to you, God, that we're going to pursue them and love them the way that you created us to. Out of our relationship with you, we're going to pursue them. And again, we need your help exactly with the how. How are we going to do that? How do you want us to spend time with them? What questions do you want us to ask or discussions do you want us to have? Encouragement do you want us to offer? Time you want us to spend Maybe the things that need to be said. Help us, give us the confidence to say what you want us to say to them. To, to clear the air on something, to open up a new level of the relationship. And that can be scary. Requires us to be vulnerable. But God, we are vulnerable with you and we can be with them too. And so we ask that you would lead us in that. Show us exactly what you want us to do. Help us to do that together as a church. To love each other, pursue each other, to value each other to never take each other for granted, but to know that you brought us together because you want us to live in such an incredible way, to serve you, to honor you, to bring you honor and glory. And so uh, we commit that to you today, that, that our hearts would be open and honest and free. We're trusting you to do the work in us that we need in order to do that. So lead us, guide us that what's inside of us would just be free and open and honest and loving and caring and that we would pursue the things in life that you created for us. Thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.